Well, good morning today, and welcome, Redeemer family and friends. We are thankful that you are here. My name is Israel Martinez, and I love having the opportunity to serve here as your lead pastor. And so I want you to know that you guys, man, that I love you with, with, with all that I have, and that our church loves you, and that um, by God's uh, uh, grace, uh, he loves you. He's extended that and given that to you, and he loves you. And so... Hear that today. If you are a guest, you are dearly welcomed. I hope you will see the love of Christ from us today as we interact with you and, and, and that you, we would ask you to interact with us. And um, please, um, let us connect with you. We'd love to, for you to fill out a connect card so we can get to know you and connect with you a little more. And so I, I want us to think about darkness, just darkness. If we, if we hit the lights, it would be cheesy, but if, we, if the lights were off, you guys have been there, right? You've been in a dark room. And so have you ever been lost in a dark room? I mean, maybe have you ever been in a cave, like a real cave? When you get deep into that cave, the light is gone. Or, or, or have you been somewhere dark where you just couldn't see? Where, where, and and where, where you can't see anything and it's, it's super dark and it's super intimidating. And so um, the, 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 the thing is that we are all children um, that, that, that are, uh, when we come to true darkness, we get scared. We go back to those childish ways. Remember when you were a child, right? You may be like, oh, I'm not scared of the dark anymore. I'm good. But remember, you're a child. We have some children in here with us today. And so, you see, when we are children, what happens? We are naturally afraid of darkness. Why? Because children learn really fast that it's a terribly scary thing to walk through or to follow a path that they can't see, right? Or to be in a room where they don't know where to go. What happens in a child's development is that children grow a little more and they get a little bigger, five, six, eight to 10, whatever, 12. And they're exposed a little more to the things of the world. And so uh, they get these things from parents, from friends, from school, um, bullies, mean kids. Um, they hear and learn about scary things in the world. We've all been there, scary animals, scary people, scary stories, and things that have happened to people. And so maybe uh, they even see something scary on a YouTube video or, or TV or a movie, and then their mind is set, right? You guys were there as kids, whatever that thing was that creeped you out, and they're totally scared of that darkness. Now, Again, we've all maybe been there as a kid. Maybe you're a super kid and you weren't scared of the darkness. Congrats to you. Um, but when, when the light is uh, on in the house, what are, what are the kids doing? They're running. They're screaming. They're playing with mom and dad and their siblings and just having a merry old time, especially at night. But as soon as that light goes out, I don't know about your house, as soon as that light goes out, man, and that child can't see mommy or daddy, what starts to happen? Panic, Right? They freak out. They start crying and calling out, and, and then quickly they, uh, they're like crying out, help, and they're like, ah, they don't know what to do. And then what happens? Mom and dad picks them up, and they're still crying because they're like, what picked me up? <laughs> they're scared, and they're crying, and they're terrified, and then their fears are realized again because they think that monster in the closet is about to eat them and has picked them up, and they're still wiggling, and they can't see, and then click, the light comes on, and they, <laughs> they see mom and dad's face, and they calm down right? 
And that little baby or the kiddo focuses their eyes on mommy or daddy, and they know that everything is all right in the arms of their parents. You see, their light revealed the, the security that they had the whole time. And, and mom and, and dad, they were actually in the room. Usually this is to happen. Or a sibling's in the room. Somebody's in the room. Or mom and dad are really not that far away. They're a few feet away at, at, in their bed or at some part in the house doing laundry or something. And the kid is safe. The doors are locked. There's protection. There's a, there's a fence around, maybe even a gate around their community. And, and, and they're actually fine. But what happens as we get older? Physical darkness, uh, while still very scary or intimidating to adults for various reasons or in various situations, uh, most of the time physical darkness is not as scary. Why? Because we learn that physically in our home, you know, you can, I play the game with uh, my wife all the time, like I can, get, I can get anywhere in the dark and I hit, I'll just like, and I'll try to get, in case I get blind, I'm like, I can get places. I get to the kitchen, you'll hit stuff every once in a while. But I, I like to think I can get to most places in my house without the light. Um, but, but we get this kind of confidence, right, uh, in, in, in when we encounter darkness. And as adults, again, we generally don't get scared if we turn off the light. We know things will generally be okay if the lights are off at home. So physically, human adults know that, yes, while we still need the light to see and it, that it's very helpful we forget how important and powerful light is for us to survive. There's that time you get really confident and I just start wiggling, trying to get, and boom, I hit my side on that sharp corner. I'm like, mm. We often ignore and forget the power of the light. So, so today in John 8, 12 through 30, that's where we're going to be. So if you have a Bible, open it up, join with us there. John 8, 12 through 30, we will learn that Jesus is the light of the world. And you've probably heard this before in church. So said more completely, we will worship and learn that Jesus as the light of the world means his followers, one, will walk in light. Humanity will walk in darkness, but he, Jesus, has ultimate authority as he pleases the Father and saves the world. So let's read our text today in John 8, 12 through 30. John 8, 12 through 30. If you have a Bible, please open it up. And join with me in John 8, 1 through 12. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. And all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees, sorry, I'm reading the wrong part. I got off. 12 through 30. <laughs> My bad. Uh, 12 through 30. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. And I am the one who bears witness about myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And they said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. 
If you knew me, you would know my father also. In these words, he spoke in the treasury as he taught them in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world and I am not of this world. I told you that the world would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am him, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Again, today we are going to learn and worship that Jesus is the light of the world. And said more completely, we will worship and learn that Jesus as the light of the world means his followers will walk in light. And then humanity will walk in darkness, but he, Jesus, has the ultimate authority as he pleases the Father and saves the world. So we're going to break that down. And you see, the, the text clearly teaches that first point for us today, that Jesus is the light of the world, which means if you are his child, his followers will walk in the light. So look at verses 12 through 20 with me. Uh, again, they say that Jesus spoke to them. And so Jesus was addressing these Pharisees and these scribes, these religious leaders. They were supposed to know and see these things, but they didn't. And he says to them, I am. He's been saying, I am. This is his second I am statement. I am the light of the world. And he says, whoever, the invitation is open. Whoever follows me will do what? Will not walk in this darkness, but will have this light of life. Like there will be something about you if you know Christ that, would be, that will be different. There will be this light of life. Following Jesus gives us access to really live, to have this light of life, not just to be, to really have a life. So I remember when I was a kid, my friend from church, who was kind of nerdy, he was like one of my first friends. I was 10. I just got to Texas. And, and, and he would tell me uh, for various reasons to get a life. And I don't know why. As a little kid, that offended me. So he would introduce me to stuff like Monopoly or the Three Stooges and some American-like culture stuff that I hadn't come across yet because the first part of my life was spent internationally. So we lived in different states and different countries. And so um, at nine years old, I missed some American culture things, okay? I missed out a little bit on the 80s. And so when we got to Texas, um, I, was, I, I didn't, again, I didn't know some of these things, these American culture things. My parents didn't play Monopoly. And so they would be like, no, we don't do that. And so my friend, he would be like, you, you haven't played Monopoly? He would say it all nerdy like that. And I would be like, no. I would just be like, no. And he'd go, live a little. And I was like, what? You live a little. Like, I don't know why. That offended little kid me. Live a little. I was like, I, 
I am living a little. It would get under my skin. I was like, bro, I just came from, I was born in Germany. I've been to the beaches. I've done all this stuff. I've seen mountains. I've seen the Andes. I've seen all this stuff, um, different states. And I said, you, I'll be like, you live a little, you know. But he would say that. I wouldn't say it because I was a shy kid. Um, I, I mean, I used to, I used to, I went to Jamestown. Like, that's where, you know, we used to live right by that in Virginia. So I've seen a lot of stuff. And then, um, and so my, my friend's words would, would bother me. Uh, very similar, and I'm not saying my friend is Satan, but uh, the analogy is similar. Similar to Satan, uh, he can accuse us of, uh, uh, of not living, right? He's like, you're not living for God. You're not living a little. Go live a little. Like, and so he can use it in different ways. He can say, you are not living like uh, Jesus, so might as well go and taste the world, right? Or, or he can be like, look at now, look at that world. Look how yummy and delicious it is. Go, go, go get that. Go live a little, Right? And so, like my friend again, Satan can deceive you to go and chase darkness. And, and, and we can forget as uh, people that know God what my little kid brain could even see that I actually was living. My friend didn't see it because he was walking in darkness. How many of us have been accused of like, why are you doing that? You're weird. Why aren't you going to the club or doing all this stuff or getting drunk and doing all these things? Because they don't get it. I've had people just think we are weird because we, you know, teach our kid piano, our kids piano, or we want to, we don't do certain things as a family. And people will think that you're weird for, for various reasons. People will think that you're freaks um, because we will rather go to church than do a sports game on Sunday. Those kinds of things. And, and they will say, like my little friends say, live a little, come on. And, and the point is that I didn't need that metaphorical monopoly. There's nothing wrong with monopoly, okay? I like the game. Actually, when I played it, I was like, it's kind of fun. It teaches you something. But we don't need that metaphoric mon monopoly or whatever otherworldly things that we can explore to, to, to claim that we have life. Because in Christ, that's where we find life. In Christ, we can truly live. So let's continue looking at verses 13 through 21. It says, so these Pharisees, what did they come to do? What do they always come to do? To trick, to test, to trick. They don't test the way God tests the heart. They test in a sinful way. They test to trick or to deceive. So he says, it says, the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Come on, man. He's like, you're calling yourself God. He said, your testimony is not true. They're like, you're not God. In verse 14, and Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. He said, even if on, just based on me, my testimony is true. But since I'm, I'm gracious and you're humans and you're, you're not very smart, he says, I'm going to give you a little more. He says, for I know where I came from and, and where I am going, but you don't know. You don't know anything. He says, you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. He said, you can't know the secret things of God. In verse 15, he says, you judge according to the flesh. And Jesus says, I judge no one. What he's saying is, I'm not judging you that way. Right now on earth, I'm not judging you. But then he says this, yet, even if I do judge, because again, we talked last week, Christians can judge. Jesus, God judges. He judges rightly. He says, my judgment is what? True. For it is not I alone who judge, 
but I and the Father who sent me. So now he's showing that second witness. He said, in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. This was a normal Jewish thing, two or three people. If they, say, if they saw someone, someone stealing or someone doing something, then that would be enough witness or testimony to then send someone, to accuse someone um, about a crime or, or something. And so he continues in, in, in verse 17. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. Verse 18, he says, I am the one who bears witness, he says, about myself. He says, I don't need, Jesus is saying, I don't need anybody else to really bear witness about me. But he says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And so he's saying there are these two witnesses. Jesus is saying, I don't need to give the other witness. The Father doesn't, but he's alluding to Something that he is, remember what he said in the beginning, he's the light of the world. And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. He says, if you knew me, you would know my father also. He's making the connection. To know him is to know the father. And then verse 20, he says, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So Jesus' time had not yet come, and he challenges these uh, leaders and calls them out and says, you don't know me. You think you know me. And this is a, a challenge to the church. There are many people in church, many people who will walk their whole life and they think that they know God. We hit on this a little bit last week. And the question, do you know the Christ? And Jesus says, you don't really know me. Why? Because some people are like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus and Jesus this and Jesus that. And they forget the Holy Spirit and they forget the Father. So they, what are they worshiping? Their own version of Jesus. Now, there are some people who deny Jesus. There's big uh, uh, movements. Islam does this. Judaism does this. They say, nope, the Father is one. You guys are worshiping three gods. I've had this conversation recently with a couple people. And, and, and that's wrong, too, because what are they doing? Then they're denying Jesus. And then there's some people that are like, yeah, I think the Holy Spirit's in the Bible, but mm, I don't know. That's weird. It's kind of like witchcraft. No, no, no. That's the opposite of witchcraft. Not denying the Holy Spirit, you're living in witchcraft. The, the, the opposite is true. You need to know the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God. Just like you have a spirit, you have an animating force. That's what the Spirit does. And he, he gave that life, in a sense, to Christ, and he gives that life to us. So our first point is true, and I want us to think this and think about this. That we know that Jesus is the light of the world. So if that is true, that means that his, follower, his followers will walk in the light. We see these people are not walking in the light. Jesus says, you don't know me. They think they actually know him. He's saying, you don't know me. And so I want us to think, what, what does light do? I mean, naturally or scientifically, what does light do? Light exposes darkness. So scientifically, there is no color without light. We're all just no color. So we're, 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 just, we're just black and darkness. There's no different. There's no color in anything. Scientifically speaking, light, again, is also the fastest thing in the universe, traveling at a speed of close to 300 million meters per second. We can't comprehend it. That's why when you turn on a light, boom, it's on. Turn it off, boom, it goes away. Darkness, on the other hand, is simply the absence of of light. And so imagine being in that, in a, again, that pitch black room with no source of light. You can't see anything. You have no idea where you are, or what's around you. You're completely lost and disoriented. But then a small little light begins to shine in the darkness. 
And it may just be like a little flicker, but it's enough, right, to give you hope and to guide your way out of that darkness. As the light grows brighter and brighter, you begin to see more clearly and you start to find your way out of the darkness. Why? Because you were led out by the light. You see, our first point um, uh, of the text um, it is super clear that Jesus is the light of the world, which means that his followers will walk in the light. He's making this point. He's telling these people, you're not walking in the light. In the same way, when we are lost in sin and darkness, Jesus, he's that light that guides us out of darkness, not yourself. Well, often we think it's ourselves. We think we're smart or God's given us some ability and we think that we've done it. And again, his light may seem like a small little flicker sometimes, but this is because we don't really see him. We don't see him as the big, sovereign, powerful light, the God over everything that John is testifying about. And as John the Baptist said, may I decrease so that he, Jesus, the light of the world, may increase. You see, once we see ourselves rightly as small and not as the light of the world ourselves, but when we see Jesus as the light of the world and how he can give light to us, who, who, who are in the world, then, then we can follow him. That's what he says. We can see the light as he actually is. And then the light, hap- what happens? It, it starts to grow brighter and brighter, illuminating the way. We want to know, God, where do I go? What do I do? If you have debt, do I pay this off or that? Do I pay off my house? Do I do this thing or that thing? Who do I marry? Now that I'm married, what do I do? How do I, I'm having issues. How do I get over it? You see, the issue is we want to be out of the darkness. We want to just be out. But that's not how God works. He wants you to, to see that light. He wants you to see him more and more every day. That, that he would go brighter in your mind and in your soul, that you would see him as bigger and more awesome and more wonderful and more powerful, and that you would see yourself as smaller and actually insignificant without God. See, the light, again, it grows brighter and brighter, illuminating the way and helping us to see more clearly each and every day in the good times and in the bad times. In, in struggle and in glory, you see, when we see the cross of Christ as bigger and bigger, and as we grow in Christ and realize that he is actually way bigger than we ever thought he was, and way grander and way more wonderful, and when we see more of his glory every day, and we know, unlike the guys that thought they knew him, when we know that he is actually covering all of our sin, and, and that he is stronger than our sin, and when we see uh, more darkness in ourselves than we ever imagined without the light, that's when God can start to work with us. When we see that we need more of Jesus and, and him as the light of the world to remove the darkness in us that is actually way bigger and darker than we ever thought. And this is not just for unbelievers. This is for you who claim to be believers. The problem is sometimes as believers are like, I'm good. I don't need to grow anymore. I know Jesus. I, I capped out on my growing in Jesus, which is sanctification on my holiness. No, that's wrong. That's what the enemy wants you to think. Oh, you're saved, you're good. Just no, that actually might be a sign if you have that kind of heart that you don't know God, like the people in the text. 
God is saying, no, 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 child. If you are my child, you will grow, right? Would it be weird to have a child and just let them be a baby for their whole life? You've seen these people, right? There's real weird people <laughs> that dress up in diapers, and they do this. They think they're a baby. Now, there's that weird metaphor, and they, that people actually do that. And there are some people, it's a thing, right? We tell our kids, right? We tell young men, you're going to be dumb to your 30. Women are smarter than you. We tell our boys that. We tell them they're going to be weak, Homer Simpson-type guys until they're 30. And what do they end up being? That. Because we're telling them that. We tell our ladies, oh, they're going to mess around and do this stuff with guys. And do it's okay. They're young. No. That's being a bad parent. You love those kids. You call them out. You teach them. They're going to do their own thing. That's fine. We can't control our children, but we can disciple them. We can love them. We can lead them into the light. The, the thing is that we forget how dark we really are. And we forget that Jesus is the way. And that just as light overcomes darkness in the world, Jesus as the light of the world, man, he overcomes the darkness of sin and evil in us. All the mistakes you've made as a parent, as, as a married person, as a single, when you were young, the things you thought, the things you did, the things you may be wrestling with right now. Jesus wants us to look at him as the light of the world that shines in the darkness. He actually guides us out of sin, not just when you got saved, but now as you are being saved, the Bible says. You are saved in the past. You are being saved now. And the Bible even says you will be saved. You'll be fully saved when he comes back. Salvation is not just, oh, I'm saved, I'm good. No, it's that. Yes, you have security, but then you keep walking. Once you're saved, you keep walking in Christ and growing in sanctification. We're talking about this marvelous light. That's from Peter. It says you're a, you're a chosen people. You're chosen. You're a, you're a royal priesthood. You don't need the priest to intermediate for you. You are these people that are holy, Peter says, because God is holy. He's referring back to the Old Testament. And so our first point, again, rings true that Jesus is the light of the world, which means us as his babies, as his children, that we will walk in the light. So let's walk in the light as transformed followers. We can actually do it, guys. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you. What in your life is being transformed right now? Think about it. Right now. What light from our triune God is living through you right now and exposing the darkness around you? What darkness needs to flee, like we just sang? Maybe you're still walking around metaphorically like a little kid who is scared uh, of the darkness all around you because you don't realize the light Jesus is actually right beside you or in you if you know him. That you are his child, you're his baby. Now, if you don't know him, there's a problem. That's a whole other thing. You need to see this wonderful creator God, the Father Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who were there from the beginning of creation to make man in his image and give them hope of the light of the world. And so our second point will teach us today the opposite, that humanity is not the light of the world, which means that they will walk in darkness. Now, I don't know where you were on the COVID spectrum thing, okay? But we saw that people went crazy. Why? Because, on both sides, why? Because they think humanity is the light of the world. And we have the same thing to fall into that trap. Oh, we, we got to figure it out. We need this, 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 control here, control here. They're both all political parties. 
all the agendas that our governments, they're, they're pushing an agenda that is not of the king of the world. And again, as our second point teaches, humanity is not the light of the world. Don't fall for it. That this means that they will walk in darkness. And some of the stuff that we see, it's a supernatural thing, a supernatural battle. Let's look at verses 21 through 24. So now he, Jesus, said to them, I'm going away. You will seek me. This is crazy. Erroneously, these people are going to seek Jesus. But they're going to try to find. There's many people in church trying to seek Jesus. Yes, amen. They sing the songs. They go and serve. They do the things. But what does Jesus say? He says to them, and this is a condemnation for people now, and you will die in your sin. Scary. He says, where I am going, you cannot come. He's talking about the cross, and he's talking about heaven, this resurrection that will happen. In verse 22, he says, it says, so the Jews said, will he kill himself? This is crazy. They accused Jesus of um, wanting to kill himself. And what is Jesus? It, it, again, they, they say, you, they, they think he's crazy because of what he's saying. They think he's going to kill himself, he says, because he said, where I am going, you cannot come. They're like, what is he saying? They're so confused. And he said to them, you are from below. You're from the earth. You're from here. He says, I'm from above. I'm from heaven. You don't understand where I'm, fr- I'm coming from. He said, you are of this world. Again, humanity will walk in sin. He says, I am not of the world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, that great I am, that I am, you will die in your sins. He's like, you, the same God that, that came and declared this to Moses, your forefathers, if you don't believe in that God, you don't get it. You see, our second point states that humanity is not the light of the world, which means that they will walk in darkness. But y'all, as humanity, if we're honest, don't we just love darkness? And that is the scary thing. That we should have learned from our little baby or kid self that the darkness, it actually can take you out. If you're not focusing on the light, if you're just freaking out and living in chaos, the darkness will take you out. You will get hit. You can get knocked out. That little, when, when the little baby forgets about daddy, as we forget about King Jesus, the light of the world, and we panic and run to sin because it's the fastest thing that will comfort our souls. And when you run with the lights off to the nearest comfort, you're going to bust your face and fall on your bottom, and you're going to be confused. And then you may live your whole life, your whole people do this, live their whole life loving the darkness and living in that confusion. You see, God is not a God of confusion, the scriptures say. He is, we see that he is a God of order. So if your life is always in chaos, and your mind is always racing and in chaos, doesn't mean you, sh- you shouldn't have an active mind, a mind that can think and process and be fast. But there's a difference between that, t- between being sharp and being chaotic, okay? And that actually comes and, and is entitled with, connected to, to demonic activity. When your mind is confusing, you know, you're always living like this, you're actually dancing with the darkness. Because the truth is that we love sin and evil, and we have to admit that. There are shameful and embarrassing things that we as humans have craved and we've loved in the darkness and we have all rejected the light. Just like Adam and Eve in in the garden, 
Humanity fell. And if you and I honestly were in the garden, we would have fallen for the same thing. And honestly, we fall every day, especially in our minds. Because the chaotic darkness is what often is racing in our heads. And we're thinking about this and that and and not the illuminating words of God. Redeemer Church, family and friends, we don't have to live fallen lives of loving darkness. That's not how you have to live. Christ is actually the light of the world. And he gives us hope and allows us to make it and to see through the darkness. Humanity is not the light of the world, which means they will walk in darkness, but we don't have to. So let's not walk in darkness. And let's fight against it. How? By knowing who the light is. When we forget who God is, that's when we get into trouble. But that's what we do. We're like, oh, I'm good. I know about Jesus. I'm good. And we just go on about our day. And forget who our dad is. Let's know who our daddy is. And fight in the light. We can actually fight in Jesus. Fight this spiritual battle that we're in with Jesus, the light of the world. Our battle is a supernatural battle against spiritual forces. It's not physical. It's not just a physical endurance. I just got to make it today. I just got to wake up earlier. I got to do this thing. It's not that. You have actually, and you are in, if you are a Christian, a supernatural battle. We're not just entering a physical fight. Listen to these words from Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. This is the famous, put on the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and his might. And it's going to talk about what you're actually encountering that we forget all the time. Every day we forget this. And Paul is like, yeah, this is the main thing you're fighting. It's not, you're not just tired or this. And those things, remember, this, yes, the physical is important. I'm not saying that. There's people, there's whole sex that I've forgotten and left the phys- and said the physical stuff is not important. Obviously, it's important how you eat, what you do, right? Those things are important. When, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, what you're putting into your body, those things are all very important. But with those things, man, there's a spiritual battle that, we've, that we're in. Listen to these words in Ephesians 6. I would encourage you to turn there if you have, if you can. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, we'll go to 20. And Paul says this, and I'll make a few little comments, but I'll just, I just want to read it. It says, Paul told the Ephesians, finally, of spiritual warfare, be strong in the Lord. So there's something we have to, through the power of the Lord, we can be strong in him. We don't have to be weak in him. He says, and in the strength of his might, not your own might, put on the whole, the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Does the devil have schemes? Yes. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. And he wants to take you out. Now listen to this, what Paul says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our, Our battle is not just about skin and blood and being tired and sweaty and hungry. Those things are part of it, but it's bigger than that, he's saying. But against, look at this, this kind of hierarchy, but against the rulers, against the authorities, you know what those things are, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. There's spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There's another dimension. There's, who knows? God is not of our dimension. So what's a dimension? I'm not very good at math, but I know 2D, right? Have you ever played Mario? How does Mario move? He's like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, right? That 2D, right? So Mario can't see this or can't see this. Now, a third dimension is a whole other thing. It's brr, brr, right? We can see 3D. 
I don't even know what a four. We can't even explain a four dimension. That's how dumb we are as humans. We can't even, there's probably infinite dimensions with God. I don't know of things that God can see and understand. This has helped me understand how God sees. Imagine a mountain, right? We can see it like this, 2D, and we can even, you know, God can see that mountain. He can see if there's a valley, right, right here of two mountains, he can see through that valley. We can only see the valley right here. God can see the mountains. He can see them. He can see over them. He can see through them. I, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's a way I can explain, and I still don't think it even helps uh, really what God sees and what he knows. But just imagine, like, God can just, he can see things we can't see. Listen to this again. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities. This is, these are your enemies against the cosmic powers uh, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up your whole armor. Take up the whole armor of God. You can do something. You have to be taking the armor that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. He says, man, even when you stood firm, stand again, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. You got to remember, like we've learned in our text, Jesus' testimony is true. Don't listen to the world. And having put on the blessed plate of righteousness, you have this protection of justice or righteousness of God on you. And, and, and as shoes for your feet, it's really to shod your, your sandals, to tighten up your sandals. And he, and he goes on, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, you can have peace in all this war, in all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith, this faith that God has given you, this belief which you can extinguish all the flaming darts or arrows of the evil one, Satan, and take the helmet of salvation. Remember your salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Man, we need the word of God, the living word of God, um, the scriptures, the written word of God. And we need to know the gospel, the proclaimed word of God. He says, which is the word of God? In verse 18, praying at all times. You want to enter the supernatural world? Pray. You don't have to be scared. Pray. You can pray at all times. You don't have to cry. We tell little kids to cross their hands and bow their heads. Why? To focus because we can get distracted easily. So if you need to do that, do that. Your eyes can be open when you pray. You can be praying in your spirit. That's what Paul says. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Supplication means begging to that end. Keep alert. Again, you again, keep alert. With all perseverance, there's this drive and this endurance, making supplication, again, begging for all the saints, praying for all the saints. And also Paul says, pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth. Man, if Paul needs help in proclaiming the gospel, how much more do we? Paul says, that may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. The Bible always says the mystery is that the gospel has been revealed. For which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. It's a spiritual battle, guys. And because our final point teaches today that Jesus is the light of the world. When we enter this spiritual battle, we need to know that he's the light of the world, which means that he has ultimate authority. You don't have to be scared of those forces. They're scary. They would, they, they'll make you uh, uh, mess on yourself if you saw the real spiritual forces out there. You would be terrified. But God protects us. God is surrounding us. You don't have to live in fear. There is a darkness, and there are things going on in the world that are above things that we understand. But Jesus is the light of the world. He talked about this peace, right, in Ephesians, Paul did. God has ultimate authority. Authority means he is the one who's in charge. And as he pleases the Father and saves the world, God came to save us. Look at these last few verses. These guys didn't see it. 
Verse 25, so they said to him, who are you? They're like, man, I don't understand you. And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge. So he will judge one day on the day of the Lord when he comes back. It says, but he who sent me is true. He makes it clear. And I declare to the world, he's proclaiming or declaring to the world what I have heard from him, the father. And he gets that authority from the father because Jesus was fully human, just like us. In verse, it says, verse 27, they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. Again, you have to understand the only way we can know the Father is through Jesus. And so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, this is referring to Numbers 21.9, the serpent, when they would look up, the, the, the Israelites were, were sinful. And then God said, I'm going to raise up this, this uh, the, told Moses to build this bronze serpent that they would look up. They say the bronze has something to do with the blood. And, and then um, that would save them. So he's alluding to that. He talked about that in John 3. He says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, really, I think it's the idea of him going to the cross. And he said, then you will know that I am he. When you see this happen, that Christ has died. And then he, he rose again. He says, and that I do nothing on my own authority. He doesn't do it. He does it through the Father. So if Jesus is resting on the Father's authority, how much more should we? He says, but, he says, but speak just as the Father. He says, I don't, I don't do it on my own authority, but I speak just as the Father has taught me. How much should we speak as the Father and Jesus and the Spirit teach us? And then this, this last verse says, and he who sent me, is with me. He's like, the Father who sent me is with me. I am actually God. He says, he has not left me alone. I mean, they were calling him suicidal. They were calling him a demon. He says, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Again, if Jesus did things pleasing to God, should that not challenge us? It's not to condemn us. It's to free us and to encourage. You can actually be, live lives that are pleasing to God. And when he said that, it says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Many people became saved. You see, because our final point is true, that Jesus actually is the light of the world, which means that he has ultimate authority as he pleases the Father and saves the world. So Jesus is clear that he has this authority. And if he, again, pleases the Father, he is calling us to do the same. Because like the end of our text, many people will believe. That's, that's John um, in 13, it says that we, that we, that many people will believe because of how the believers loved one another. That was their best evangelism is to love with the church. When the church loves one another and stops messing around and fighting and, 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 and um, being selfish and doing what they want to do, that is the best evangelistic uh, uh, tool that we have. Many people will believe by us believing in Jesus. And so... I know many of you here believe today. Some of you may not. And Christ is calling you to believe him in the truths of our final point, that Jesus is the light of the world. Don't chase the darkness. That means that he has ultimate authority as he pleases the Father and saves the world. So let's, let's rest in his authority over our lives and let's mimic him. And, 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 and please, let's go and thank him for our salvation. That's what he came to do. Let's rest in Jesus, y'all. Let's abide or live in him, the light of the world, and not in the vain and pointless darkness that lies to trap us, to trick our minds, to, to live in chaos, to live in confusion, and ultimately to lead us to death. Trust in Jesus and mimic him as he pleases the Father through, through praying and through abiding 
and living life together with our church body by serving, by making disciples who, who are the truest and deepest of friends. Let's live life as true believers and thank our God for the ability to have the light of the world, Jesus, and not the darkness of man and sin and death. Now, thank God. I want and encourage you to, to, to thank God for being able to live this ultimate mission that God has called us to love him, to love people, to make disciples of all nations for God's glory. And so I want us to, to land here, and, and I want you to think with me. When is the last time you thanked God for who he is, for him being the light? Like, honestly, when is the last time you actually thanked God, like really thanked God? who through Jesus' death and burial and resurrection gave us true life so that we could truly live. And so I, I want to ask, do you believe, friends and family? I mean, do you truly believe that Jesus gives you life as the light of the world? Do you remember that he shed his blood and gave his body for all the nasty and gross darkness that we have done? All your shameful and disgusting sin was covered by his precious life and his illuminating blood that gives us eternal life today if you know him. Do you see the light of the world, Jesus, expose darkness once and for all and in your hearts and that he is coming again and that, and that all that darkness that he, he allows to roam free now is only temporary? He will shut it down. You see, he is showing us of how great a Savior he really is and that he really is the light and that we need him, but not just once. We need him every moment of every day. And he has promised to come again and shut down the darkness and expose it and judge the darkness. And remember all your pain, all your tears, and even all your righteous things and the good things that you do, all the hopes and joys we experience in life and all the hard things, it will all make sense. It will all make sense. And we will reign with our glorious King Jesus one day, the light of the world. When he comes back, we will be with him in glory. We will be with the Father in glory, with the Spirit. We will then truly see the fullness of the light of the world, Jesus. And so remember, this world is not our home. We have hope now and eternally, and his name is Jesus, the light of the world. So do you see the light of the world is truly Jesus? Or are you asking like the guys in our text, who are you? Man, are, are you believing like those religious, religious leaders? I encourage you to see Jesus to light the world. Be encouraged that he is. And what we learned firstly, that Jesus is the light of the world. So if you are a child of God, his followers will walk in the light. And so let's walk in the light as transformed followers of Jesus. Secondly, we learned that humanity is not the light of the world, which means that they will walk in darkness. We will see darkness, so let's not walk in darkness and fight against it by knowing who the light is. Remember that supernatural fight. Thirdly, we learn that Jesus is the light of the world, which means that he has ultimate authority as he pleases the Father and saves the world. So rest in his authority. Rest in his authority over our lives, and then let's mimic Jesus, and let's go and let's thank God that he actually saved us. I encourage you to do that, to actually thank our king, mimic him, know his authority. Remember, the world is not our home. We have hope in Jesus now and eternally, and his name is Jesus, the light of the world. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you and we thank you. You are the light of the world, Lord, and we have hope in you. And so we trust you, Lord. Help us 
Help us see and understand you as the light of the world, Lord, and give us the ability now um, to worship. To worship you, Lord, and to be used by you as we come to worship now, um, Lord, and respond, Lord, in um, your gospel. And respond the way you've called us to respond. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we thank you, we love you, we need you, and we pray. Amen.